Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Annie Dickerson with Gurek Investments back again. Uh, for viewers and listeners, they may recall they were on a prior uh, podcast epi- uh, episode as well. Uh, Annie uh, is the creative director with uh, Good Egg Investments. Uh, if we visit their website, there are different uh, uh, you know automation programs that they have done. They have the Real Estate Accelerator program as well. Uh, th- there's a lot of branding content and marketing that goes behind the scenes, and she actually champions all that uh, within their uh, company. Uh, her partner Julie Lamb and uh, with Annie, they have both. Uh, been raising significant uh, capital and in uh, helping a lot of passive investors. Uh, within a very short few years, uh, Julie and um, Annie have raised uh, and invested uh, in seven, uh, 700 million worth of assets. They are authors uh, of the book, Investing for Good, uh, The Surprising Strategy for Building Wealth while also making an impact. So it is an incredible time. Uh, I appreciate uh, you coming on, Annie. Uh, for listeners and viewers of the show who may not have uh, you know, known a lot more about your background, uh, help us get started with uh, you know, how you came into investing and uh, you know, what's your focus right now. Sure, absolutely. Well, I'm thrilled to be here with you and your listeners. Um, A little bit about my background. Um, The first thing I always tell people is that I never in a million years thought I would be a real estate investor. Never, never. (laughs) When I was growing up, um, my parents never even bought a house. We always lived in apartments. Uh And I was never taught anything about even stock market investing or real estate investing, any of that any sure. of that world well I, we are we are lagging you know i, I like to oh, think any that okay. you know engineers doctors are all written everywhere but real yeah. estate investor is not a profession or not an option right. in any of the drop down right i know i know <laughs> oh my goodness but um yeah i was always taught you know go to school, get a good job and, you know, work 40 years and then retire. And so I did all of that. I checked off all the boxes, um, graduated from an Ivy league school. And then I said, okay, now what? Okay. Uh Now I'm going to, I get a job. I look at my first job out of college was as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working with teach for America and I taught fourth, fourth grade. <laughs> and I could not believe I worked so hard those first couple of weeks. Uh, my first year of teaching worked, I don't know, ungodly number of hours. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I got that first paycheck. I went into the school, you know, the school office and I, my little mailbox grabbed my paycheck. I tore it open and I, my jaw dropped. I couldn't believe that number. I was like, 
you mean I'm basically working for like just a couple dollars an hour? Come on here, <laughs> you know? And it was just, it was crazy. And I didn't think at that time I wasn't like, Oh, real estate investing is the answer. Sure. I was just like, okay, well, I guess I have to pay my dues and work my way up that corporate ladder. Sure. But as luck would have it, uh, my husband and I um, were in the process of buying our first home. We were living mm -hmm. in DC at the time. And, you know, being young 20 somethings, we were going to get a condo or a loft, something trendy, sure. right? Absolutely. <laughs> But luckily, we had a realtor who said, you know, I don't know about these condos, but there are a lot of row homes here in D.C. And he said, you know, a lot of them have not just one unit, but they have two units. And he said, well, you could live in one unit and rent out the other one. Sure. And then mm -hmm. those tenants can start to help you pay down your mortgage. And I said, that's fascinating. I've never even thought that you could do that. Sure. And so we tried that. We bought our first one in 2008. It was a foreclosed home and um, the basement had previously been a brothel. So we rolled <laughs> up our sleeves and we did a lot of cleanup work and we rented it out. And that first month that we got that first um, rent income check, it changed everything. Absolutely. <laughs> but still, I'll tell you still, the light bulb went on, but insofar as I was like, oh, this is cool, but this is just one aspect of my life. I'm still focused on climbing that corporate ladder. Um, and so real estate didn't really resurface until just a few years ago. Uh, my husband, when we moved, we now live in Oakland, California. And when we moved to the Bay Area, my husband decided he wanted to become a realtor. Nice. And I said, <laughs> okay, well, if you're going into real estate, I can't go into real estate. We can't both be in real estate. That would be ridiculous. Sure. So I crossed it off my list and he started to build his business. And um, then a few years ago, I said, hey, you're doing pretty well with your business. And he said, oh yeah, you want to help me with my business? And I said, nah, um, but maybe I'll read some books or something and see. And then I took a look at his website, which was atrocious. It was a, basically a paragraph of text with his photo next to it. Sure. <laughs> and you know me, with my creative background, I love branding and content creation. I could sure. not help myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm, honey, I'm going to redo your website. Right. <laughs> and so in the process of redoing his website, I learned more about real estate investing myself. Nice. And mm -hmm. that is what launched me into the journey that I'm on now, which is first started with out-of-state rentals and then eventually got into syndications. And now we've launched Good Egg Investments. And this whole journey is something that I never could have imagined. It wasn't something I did on purpose, but I love it. Incredible, incredible. No, I know. And I, I always enjoy, uh, you know, sort of uh, seeing your journey, your progress, what uh, you and your partner, uh, Julie, have done is uh, quite inspiring, you know. Uh, so now moving on um, here, Annie, uh, what are some of the things uh, like, you know, as, as I said in, in your bio that you work with a lot of passive investors and things like that, right? Uh, when did that shift come about? Like uh, you went from, let's say, uh, your first house to owning some rentals and things like that. Uh, how did the shift to the passive investments for you came about? Good question. So this, again, was nothing that I planned 
Um, in fact, so when I started seriously looking at real estate investments, um, I didn't know anything about syndications or passive investing. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, if I want to put my money into real estate, I have to be a landlord. That's the only way. That's all I knew. Right. So mm -hmm. I said, well, the only factor I can change is the market. So either we invest here in California, which is crazy, sure. or we find a market out of state, which is what we did. Sure. Mm -hmm. And when you live in a market like the Bay Area and mm -hmm. you start looking out of state anywhere, it mm -hmm. looks like everything is on fire sale, <laughs> which was exactly what happened to me. I started looking at these markets and I zeroed in on Huntsville, Alabama, mm -hmm. started looking at all these properties in Huntsville. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could buy four units for $200,000. I was like, give me 10 of those. <laughs> Honey, bring your credit card here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so I started buying up all these properties. And within the span of like six months, we went from zero properties in Huntsville to like 25 doors in Huntsville. Wow. <laughs> and so what happened was during this time, that's all that my husband and I could talk about. So every time we went out with friends, they'd mm -hmm. be like, What's what are you up to? And we'd be like, Oh my gosh, we just bought another property in Huntsville and this is the cash flow and this is, you know, this is the market and this is how we found it. And people would get so fascinated. Mm -hmm. And people would say, you know, oh, could you teach me how to do that? I want to do that too. And say, yeah, no problem. Pull up a chair. Mm -hmm. I'll show you exactly how to do it. So here's what you do. You find, you research the market, you find the broker, you talk to the lender, you fill out the paperwork, you do the underwriting you, and I'm going down the list and they're like, Oh, that's a no, lot of work. <laughs> no, actually I just want the cash flow. I don't want the, the work oh, part. Right, I don't have time right. for that. And so I said, okay, okay, I get it. No, no problem. And it's a hard thing. But then I had enough of these conversations that I realized, wait a second, there are a lot of people who have money that they want to put into real estate, sure. but they yeah. just don't want to do the work. And so I said, well, is there a way that I could bring people in to a deal with me? I said, but you know, a $200,000 fourplex in Huntsville, there's not really a lot of room for an additional investor. Right. And so then mm -hmm. I thought, I had the brilliant idea. I thought, well, what if instead of four units, I did like 10 units or 20 units, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so still at that time, I had no idea about syndications, mm -hmm. but I knew that there was something here. So then I started digging and that's when I learned about passive investing in syndications. Mm -hmm. And at first I naively thought, well, I've done a four unit. I could do a 40 unit. It's practically the same thing. I could do it all. Right. And so that's exactly what I tried to do was I tried to do all of it. Mm -hmm. um, but luckily through the process, I realized that it was the investor relations and the capital raising piece that I absolutely loved because it's mm -hmm. all about teaching. Sure. It comes sure. back mm -hmm. to my experience as an educator. You know, I love teaching people. Sure. And so that aspect I really, really loved. And so that's what we've focused on. Nice, nice, nice. And, and that, that is a nice segue into, uh, you know, what I was going to ask you next, uh, Annie, is that I can see your passion for, uh, you know, sort of teaching and making things uh, nice from a branding perspective and things like that, right? Uh, tell us about your current focus and kind of how you onboard your investors, uh, you know, your sort of education process and things of that nature. So when I first got into syndication, my mission 
was to, cause I, I didn't, I had been investing in real estate for over 10 years before I really realized that there was this thing called syndication. Sure. Mm-hmm. And once I learned about it, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much terminology and there's all, you know, everybody's trying to make it so complicated. Sure. And so mm-hmm. when I got into it, I said, okay, my mission is going to be to try to take this black box of real estate investing and mm-hmm. syndications and try to make it approachable and welcoming and inviting for everyone. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so the first step of that, which actually we didn't do this in order, but this is the order I recommend for people now. So sure. the first step is to start with figuring out who your target audience is. This is hmm. a step that most people skip. They don't even think about it until later. And I, this is what we did at first too, hmm. um, was we just focused on the brand that we wanted to build. We didn't right. think about who it was for. Right. Mm-hmm. But actually that's the first step is to think about who you're doing this for. So now sure. we know our target audience very clearly. Mm-hmm. Our target audience is um, busy working moms I who see. want to mm-hmm. be able to spend more time with their families, but they can't because they're working jobs, they're running the carpool, they're doing all this stuff mm-hmm. and they don't know about passive income. Sure. They don't know how to invest in real estate. And so, with that lens, you can see. So, now when you think about that target audience, now you can start to think, oh, okay, so what would that target audience want? What would they connect with? Sure. And so, Mm -hmm. that's how we've been able to build such a strong brand is because it rests on this foundation of actually, we we call it our investor avatar, a single fictional person. Her name is Jen. Mm-hmm. We know how many kids Jen has, the names of her kids, the name of her dog, where she lives, her real estate investing experience, how much she and her husband make. We know everything about her. Nice. Mm-hmm. And where that comes in handy is every part of our brand, mm-hmm. every piece of content that we create, every piece of our investor process, the onboarding, the emails that we send out, it all comes back to Jen and what she needs in order to move forward. Awesome, awesome. That's great advice right there. And how did that then sort of mold your brand into, uh, you know, how you change your website, your processes and things like that? Could you maybe share uh, how, how that evolution came about? Absolutely. So if you look at our website now, it looks very different from where it started out. Um, and that evolution really came through, I mean, Jen, our, our investor avatar was a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Once we realized who our target audience was, it drastically changed the content we were putting out. Sure. And so the content is a big piece of your brand, right? The, the website, a lot of people focus on the website, but I think of the website as sort of a brochure. Once you've created it once. It's there. It lives there and it doesn't really change very much. Sure, sure. What changes on a daily or weekly basis is your content. Absolutely. And so um, once we knew that we were targeting people like Jen, Mm -hmm. we then went back to our content, our emails, our blog posts, our videos, and we started to talk to that person. That's amazing. Right, right. And so we could tell stories about our kids and reference um, the viewers, kids, and it just, it gave our brand a personality. Sure. Um, Whereas previously we were trying to be 
little more generic so -hmm. that we could not offend anyone. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people start out that way. They build a brand and they're like, I just want everyone to love me. I want everybody to invest with me. Sure. And that is the fastest way to turn investors away because then they're not going to connect with you or your brand. Sure, sure. Now let's talk about uh, any that you have the investor avatar, let's say uh, Jen, as you define, right? Uh, how you attract or how you market uh, for these folks? Like what uh, what things that perhaps uh, you delve into as you started to develop all this and realize that, yes, this is the fictional Jen uh, type of audience we are after. And uh, you said the content piece, and uh, and you you're absolutely right. I mean, I have uh, seen your website over the years. That how much it has flourished, the different images and the content. You have so many articles, some of the blog posts. I mean, you you have some stats as well there. So it, it's an art and a science wherein I think you are masking the technicalities as well, but at the same time telling a story that's uh, you know like. Um, not, I don't want to call naive, but it, it's a uh, sort of a tactfulness wherein you are sharing the information, but not exposing the sort of the crude terminologies and things like that. Can you maybe share how all that molding came came about? Exactly. You are spot on. It's an art and a science. And I think a lot of newer syndicators get caught in this trap of they have they feel like they have to prove that they know everything, right? They're like, I know what cap rates are. I know what equity multiples are. I know about sensitivity analyses. I know all of this stuff and I'm going to prove it on my Mm -hmm. website and my content. It's going to be highly technical so that when people come, they know that I know everything, right? (laughs) And this often will backfire because people, you have to think about investors and investors and customers also. When customers go and buy a product. Think about mm-hmm. when you go and buy a product. If you're, Let's say I've, I've got my smartphone here, right? Sure. When I mm-hmm. go to look at a smartphone, I'm not going and looking at all of the technical aspects, sure. like, I don't know, the memory or the, like the screen size, all of this stuff. No, I go in the store and I hold it in my hand. I'm like, how does this feel? Well, sure. It feels mm-hmm. nice. What does this look like? How does it feel in my pocket, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the investor experience too. They're going to come to your site and they're going to think first, they're going to think, does this feel right? How does this brand feel? Do I trust these people? Is there, Mm. are there any red flags here? That's Mm -hmm. what they're going to look for first is that emotional aspect. Mm -hmm. And then once they've built that trust with you, then they'll start digging into the technical aspect. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So now that I know they can help me now, how does all this work? Mm -hmm. And so when we go back to Jen, we think about her and we think, okay, So if I'm trying to teach a busy mom about real estate investing, I mean, those two worlds don't even really intersect at all, right? When you think Mm -hmm. of a busy mom, they're thinking about laundry and soccer practice and all of this stuff. They're not thinking about real estate investing or even retirement. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do we get those two worlds to intersect? That's the big question. Sure, sure. And so what you do is you start with Jen. You don't start Mm -hmm. with the real estate investing inside and try to interject that into Jen's life. You start Mm -hmm. with Jen's life. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and you start to think, okay, well, what does she have on her daily schedule? Well, she's probably in a few Facebook groups that for moms, right? Mm -hmm. She probably, um, she's probably working her job. Maybe she has lunch breaks and then, you know, after school, maybe she has a nanny, maybe she takes her kids to her, the soccer games, you know, so you start to build out what this person's life is like. Sure. And then mm-hmm. you start to think, okay, where are the places where we can bring our message to her mm-hmm. and in a way that it's not foreign to her, that mm-hmm. it connects with her existing life and her existing pain points and what she's particular, particularly needing right now in her life. Sure. So mm-hmm. for example, she might be really busy. She doesn't have any time. She's got yoga pants in the closet, but she can't remember the last time she's been to a yoga class because she's sure. by the weekends, she's just so tired. She hasn't made plans to go to yoga. So she skips it. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we think, okay, well, what is she doing instead? Well, maybe she's scrolling through Facebook. Maybe she's part of these mom's groups on mm-hmm. Facebook. Okay. Well, could we be a presence there? Okay, so like, Mm -hmm. let's go into those moms groups and let's see what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And let's see what those conversations are. Let's see if there's a way that we can bring real estate investing into the conversation without being salesy, but just organically bringing it up. So for Mm -hmm. example, a lot of times in these moms groups, they're talking about saving for college. And a lot of them are talking about 529 plans. What Mm -hmm. are the benefits? What are the pros and cons? And out of left field, here we come and we're like, well, you know, what we're doing instead of a 529 plan, here's another strategy that we're doing Mm -hmm. um, is we're investing in real estate and Mm -hmm. this is the benefit of that and here's how it plays out. And so here we're meeting Jen where she currently is and we're talking about the topics that she's interested in. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. now the worlds collide and she starts to see, oh, real I didn't even think about this real estate thing let me sure. start to dig in further and so that's how that happens that's awesome that's awesome I, I think knowing the perspective where your customer is and kind of coming and meeting there at that point instead of just coming slam bam on I think that's a great way now um, on a similar note Annie the some of the branding and the content that uh, one has to generate for all this right how that has changed, meaning are you personally uh, like basically co-authoring these things or are you maybe uh, listing a list of articles into, uh, into this? How, how are you massaging all, all of that? Like, are you personally doing these things? So for our brand, yes, I am personally doing the majority of the content. So the videos and the blog posts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and it all comes back to Jen and what she would want to hear about sure. mm-hmm. um, and what she needs to learn. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there are, um, I've learned ways that I don't have to work so hard. And sure. so mm-hmm. our business coaches taught us about a, um, a technique that he calls spider webbing, mm-hmm. where basically you figure out which um, which aspect of creating content that you love the most? Like, let's mm-hmm. say I love being on camera. That's sure. just like, I can turn it on and just spew it out. And there five minutes, I have a great piece of content, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. So if that's me, then let me just focus my time on creating video. But mm-hmm. what about my blog post over here? Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then what you do through this spider webbing method is you then take that video 
and then you pay a few bucks to get it transcribed. I see. And then mm -hmm. you clean that up and then you can turn that into a blog post. You can also, like you're doing here, strip out the audio and turn that into a podcast. Makes sense. And mm -hmm. so I think creating content, um, a lot of our coaching members ask us about this because they get stressed out about it. They're like, I have sure. to create all this content, but it's so much work. Um, but I always say it comes back to, you know, pick an avenue. You don't have to do it all, sure. but pick one platform that you love. Everybody loves something, whether it's writing or um, speaking or some way that you like to share your sure. knowledge with people and start there and get really good at that. Then start to expand to the other platforms. Absolutely. Absolutely. And your point is very well taken, Annie, that, you know, you produce one uh, platform content and start to, you know, sort of cross pollinate and, uh, you know, uh, just spread it across into different mediums is, is, is absolutely the uh, time of need. Now, yeah. uh, for uh, investors, like, you know, your passive investors, you're offering uh, your services and things like that, right? Let's shift our discussion into, uh, you know, the education aspect, like how you are educating them, meaning, uh, let's say if we are looking at several uh, growing sub-markets and things like that, right? So how do you present them the deals? Like, uh, you know, that means you're obviously looking at sub-markets, maybe uh, talking to different operators and things like that. So the credibility and the viability of the, uh, you know, assets is definitely there. The uh, sub-markets have to uh, have some, uh, you know, credibility as to, you know, the, the returns have to work work and things like that. So how do you marry those two words? Like how do you communicate uh, with your passive investors regarding the markets and the deals and stuff? Great question. So a lot of people don't, um, a lot of newer syndicators don't think about this. They think, um, oh, when I have a deal, I'll just shoot it out to my investors. Sure. And if it's a good enough deal, people will invest. And unfortunately, a lot of people fall into that trap and they've got a deal under contract. Nobody wants to invest because they, they haven't had time to get used to this concept. Sure. <laughs> and so the bulk of our work actually happens before we ever have a live deal. And mm -hmm. that's what a lot of people don't realize is mm -hmm. we do so much education and outreach um, when we don't have a live deal on the mm -hmm. table. We're doing webinars and we're doing videos and we're putting out blogs and newsletters. And we, at that point, we're really, you know, showing people examples. We're walking them through previous deals. We're hopping on the phone with them to answer their questions. We're really listening to what they're asking us and then producing content for them to address their questions mm -hmm. with the goal of being by the time that we send out that deal alert email to mm -hmm. tell them that we have a new deal on the table, mm -hmm. they've already got all their questions answered. They know about the markets that we've invested, that we invest in. They know about the operators that we work with. Mm -hmm. They have all of their questions answered, their objections um, addressed and their funds ready so that when they see that deal alert email, they mm -hmm. can just say, yep, this is exactly what I've learned and this falls into everything that I'm looking for, click, I can put in my soft reserve and um, commit to this deal. So the bulk of that work really happens before the deal goes live. 
Awesome, awesome. And speaking of intangible terms uh, there, Annie, are you maybe sending them articles on an automated fashion or is that a drip campaign via emails or is it like a series of uh, video series and things like that? How, how does that look like for you? So we have a few different things going on. Um, so when people sign up for our investor club or our newsletter, um, we do send them a drip campaign that goes out. It starts out um, every day or every other day, and then it spaces out. So the whole thing lasts, it's about 10 emails over a span of three weeks or so. <laughs> so not a ton. Um, and then all the emails introduce them to different concepts of syndication and then link to existing pieces of content that we sure. have, which is really mm -hmm. important to get your passive investors in the habit of seeing you as that authority and going back to your YouTube channel or your blogs to know that there's good content there for them. Sure. Mm -hmm. So we have that drip campaign series. And then we also have our passive real estate investing 101 course, which is mm -hmm. a seven day email course. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you sign up for that, it's exactly what it sounds like. We send you one email a day for seven days. Um, and then that's really it as far as the automated emails go. Mm -hmm. um, we also do a biweekly newsletter that we send out as well as a quarterly newsletter for our investor club members. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's, those are the main touch points. Sure, um, but sure. as long as you're staying in front of your investors and you're staying top of mind, then they'll continue to build that trust with you. Sure, sure. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And uh, how about like the various sub-markets and different, uh, you know, uh, operators that we have? Uh, how do you interface with them and how we evaluate their deals and sub-markets? Like, and that obviously transforms into, uh, you know, what typical returns you are, uh, you know, giving a guidance. I, I don't want to say like promising uh, that that probably is not the technically right word, but uh, what sort of guidance uh, you're giving in terms of the return? and things like that for your investors. Mm. Yeah, that's especially relevant now, given everything that's going on sure. and changing in the market. Um, but yeah, I'll address the, um, the markets and the operator piece first. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so there's two schools of thought, right? There's people who think, okay, you find a good market first, and then you look within that market at who the operators are. Sure. Versus mm -hmm. you look at good operators, and then you invest in whatever markets that they're investing in. And so we, for the most part, we tend to be in the second camp because we know the value of a really good, strong, experienced team. Sure. And so that's what we look for first and foremost. There's mm -hmm. lots of great markets out there. Um, and so we look first and foremost at um, those operating teams and how we jive with them, how they jive with us, because you know, when we get into a relationship um, with a sponsor and we're part of the general partnership too, you know, it's not just a, you know, one and done, like we drop off our investors at the pool and we're sure. like, see you later. <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's a long-term relationship. Sure. Um, and so we, we really take our time to vet those partners up front. Um, and then as for, you know, once we've, um, once a, a sponsor partner has sort of been through our gauntlet and we're like, okay, we're going to start doing deals. 
together, um, then we start, like I said, before we have that deal, we start to educate our investors about sure. those markets. Mm -hmm. And we give them time. That's the important piece. We give them time to do their own due diligence. And we mm -hmm. encourage that. We say, well, here are some markets we're looking at. Orlando, mm -hmm. for example. And we tell them everything we've learned about that market. And we say, now here are some additional resources. You go and look for the data and you make sure that this market meets your personal investing goals. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And so we do that. And then on the, um, the returns side, now this is really tricky because things are always a moving sure. target and every Absolutely. deal is different, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what we communicate to our investors mm -hmm. is that we give them examples Mm -hmm. um, fictional examples or um, for our investor club members, we show them previous deals that we've done. And um, we always say, you know, here's the sort of the typical ranges that we look for. Sure. Mm -hmm. But first, those are not guaranteed. And second, um, that things are always shifting. And mm -hmm. the important thing to know is that we are always looking for the best deals with the best partners oh, sure. out there. And so whatever those returns are, you can be sure that we are, um, we're looking for those really good deals and those really good markets out there. Couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. Now, moving on, Annie, uh, you know, as you stated, uh, being networked with the operators is so important, right? So what are some of the initial steps you did to know and build trust with the operators uh, because, uh, you know, as you said, stated that operators are central, their, uh, you know, sort of their track record, their performance, the markets they're investing in and all that, all of that, uh, you know, pretty much transforms into, you know, the reputation and what the passive investors are looking from your brand as well, right? So uh, my question would, uh, any there is that, how have you sort of developed the relationships uh, with multiple operators and kind of got to know them better? Uh, what are some of the things you, you and your partner have done? Absolutely. So I mentioned the gauntlet. So <laughs> there's a lot of things, a lot of questions we ask, a lot of touch points before we decide to partner up with people. Um, but the first thing is just... Um, you know, that network. And, um, you know, the real estate syndication space is really not that big. You know, a lot of people, we all know each other, you know, Absolutely. we know who the, mm -hmm. the, the big players are and we know the reputations of the people in this space. Sure. And so we start there mm -hmm. and then we get to know the people on a personal level. Mm -hmm. um, so not just business, but also, you know, our personalities, do we get along, you know? Sure. Um, so that's an important piece. And then um, the track record and experience I mentioned, we look at that. And then, um, and this is a piece where some partners have gotten impatient. They're like, oh, I have a deal right now. I want you to raise for this deal. And we're like, no, no, no. <laughs> what we like to do is generally, if we can, we like to put our own personal money into a deal with them first mm -hmm. and sort of see how that plays out. And we sure. see, okay, well, what did they project for their investors? And are they actually able to pay that out? Mm -hmm. How are they communicating with their investors? What mm -hmm. about when surprises come up? How are they communicating with their investors about that? And so we sort of sit back and observe for a little while. And then if we're having a good experience, then we know, hey, th this is a pretty viable partnership. Mm -hmm. And our investors would enjoy this experience as well. 
Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's a great way to approach. I mean, put your personal money first and before you are, uh, you know, targeting to your passive income. And, and that's, that's a great tip right there. Um, so uh, now Annie, give us some uh, tidbits about, uh, you know, some of the things you may have recently done to kind of, uh, you know, improve some of the systems processes within your uh, business and, you know, kind of take it to the next level. Oh, man. Um, well, this is especially interesting because um, since we launched the Real Estate Accelerator program, um, which helps people just like us who are launching their own real estate syndication businesses and learning to raise capital and scale, scale their businesses, it has really, you know, the best way to learn is through teaching, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. And so through teaching our systems and our processes, we've really been able to step them up even more because people come to us and be like, huh, why are you doing things this way? And I'm like, gee, I hadn't thought of that. Why are we doing things this way? And then I'll dig further and look further into it. But I would say our automations is such a huge part of what allows us to scale our business. Um, I think a lot of newer operators, newer syndicators, what they do is they will just, they'll do everything manually. They have an Excel spreadsheet over here and they've got their, their Gmail over here, right? And they're just emailing <laughs> people and they're hopping on individual calls. And you can only do that so long before you sure. just run out of space on your calendar. Right. And so what we've done and we've gotten much better at over time is we are really aware of, okay, what are the processes that we're repeating? Okay. So if I'm sending out an email alert every week on Wednesday at this time, okay, well, let's see how we can automate that so that, that I can automate that, never have to think about it again. And then that's one fewer thing that's on my to-do list, which means I can now take on a new thing. Sure. And so mm -hmm. that's how we've been able to build our business up bit by bit. Awesome. Awesome. That's a great tip right there. Uh, now, uh, speaking of any different, you know, like, let's say uh, you talked about the systems and the processes. Uh, how about some of the backend uh, people and perhaps uh, any other uh, resources that you may have added? Uh, I know, I mean, we are always bootstrapping to begin with. Uh, do you have any assistants or perhaps maybe virtual assistants uh, working behind the scenes? How, how does that play, uh, play into your company? Yeah, we do. And we've used a number of virtual assistants throughout the life cycle of our, our um, business so far. And so now um, on our team, our team is still very lean. So it's me and Julie. And then we have um, Whitney on our team. She's part-time and she's our director of investor relations and operations. And so mm -hmm. she's a passive investor herself. She also has lots of active real estate in experience. So she's fantastic. The investors love her. And so um, she's been able to take a lot of those calls off of Julie's plate mm -hmm. and to manage a lot of the, the ongoing deal operations. Mm -hmm. And then she also has a small team of virtual assistants working under her. Um, and then th one, one resource I'd like to share with your audience is um, a great place that we've found for virtual assistants is um, FreeUp. Nice. It used to be freeup.com, free with three E's. <laughs> They've since changed it, I believe, to freeup.net. So with two E's, freeup.net. 
www.freelancerdiet.net. And um, if you go to, if you're new to having virtual assistants, um, this is a great place to start. You can go to freeup.net slash menu. I'm not affiliated with them in any way. I just love their service. When you go to freeup.net slash menu, what you'll see is exactly what it sounds like, a menu of different services that a, a virtual assistant could provide. Mm-hmm. Things like you know setting up um, setting up automated emails or um, posting to social media or doing your video editing, and you'll see this list and you'll start to it'll get your wheels turning to start thinking oh wait I do that you mean I could pay somebody to do that yeah. and then so you start to think about that and then you can click on them and then it'll take you to a sample job description mm-hmm. for that VA. So nice. then you start to think, mm. oh, okay. So you can use that on FreeUp. You can use that, take that to Upwork, anywhere, and it'll give you a, a price range as well mm-hmm. for people here domestically versus abroad and what those price ranges might look like. Sure. So you can mm. just start to get a sense of how to start offloading some of those things um, to other people. And so this always, I always come back to this is this as an entrepreneur. You're always looking for win-win opportunities, right? And this is one of those situations where you can create a win for yourself by allowing you to focus on the more important stuff and less on the administrative aspects. And you're also providing a win for the virtual assistants because you're giving them an opportunity to create, um, create income for themselves and for their families as well. Incredible, incredible insight. And I have personally relied more and more on that as well. I mean, uh, I personally own a couple of hundred properties myself. We own and manage uh, all of that. So we have our admins as well. And from assistants, we have also like started to rely so much on our virtual assistants. It's incredible. The pace, I mean, you, you submit a task and by the time you're onto your office, you already have something created uh, for you. So that is a valuable help. And thank you for that resource. Yeah. Uh, so it's been wonderful, uh, Annie. Thank you for all your insights. Uh, this is kind of one of those things I call the background story of your brand as well. You know, So thank you for being candid and sharing all the information. Uh, kindly uh, tell our listeners how they can find you and also learn more about your company and different uh, projects that you have may have coming up. Absolutely. Um, The best place to go to learn more about us is goodegginvestments.com. There you'll find all the things that I talked about, our investor club, you'll find our passive investing 101 course, you'll find more information about our real estate accelerator course. And then if any of your listeners have um, specific questions, you can also reach out to me directly at Annie at goodegginvestments.com. Awesome. Awesome. Just uh, like you, uh, Annie, uh, I always love your insight and it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, viewers and uh, you know listeners of the podcast can also visit us at premiumcashflow.com uh, where we also have articles and content, uh, perhaps not as pretty pictures like uh, you know Annie has on her website. Uh, so, but you know, uh, always we have content and experts like Annie are always on on our podcast as well. And if you have any uh, you know interest in uh, passive investments, we can jump on a short phone call and perhaps uh, share with you you know some of the guidance that we see as well. So it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for coming on, uh, Annie. And, uh, you know, I look forward to, you know, having you on a future podcast as well. 
Absolutely. Always a pleasure to be here, Sakar. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. <music>